0: This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are recording this fresh off the Cubs, staving off a sweep in Milwaukee, winning 6-4 to four on Wednesday night to earn one out of three, which all things considered, when you look at the division standings and everything... I don't think anybody's complaining about that. So we will break down these three games in Milwaukee. We will preview the upcoming four-game set with the Washington Nationals in the nation's capital, and we will talk about some of the stuff that has happened in between. But first, let's get right to it. These three games in Milwaukee, uh, an interesting set of games here, Brendan. You have uh, the Cubs kind of giving one away on Monday, an absolute mess on Tuesday and then a you know a tight Cubs win on Wednesday so really running the kind of full gambit of uh, September baseball buckle up you know this is how it's going to be uh for the rest of the month here but Cubs losing 4-3 to three in Monday's game. Cole Hamels uh, with another quality start for the Cubs. He goes 6, allowing 5 hits, 2 runs, 1 walk, and 5 strikeouts. So another uh, really good outing for Cole Hamels, who continues to be a top of the rotation starter since he has come to the Chicago Cubs, so that is nice to see. The Cubs did lead in this game, scoring first, drawing first blood in the series on an Anthony Rizzo single. The Brewers, their big off-season additions, giving them the lead in the fifth, a Kane single and a Yelich single. And then we got to the eighth, Josh Hader trying to pitch uh, basically the entire game for Craig Council's squad. And Tony took him deep to give the Cubs a 3-2 lead, his 24th of the year, Brendan, that had the feel of one of those uh, September moments we'd be looking back on and seeing in those highlight packages at the end of the year. Uh, but the Cubs bullpen wasn't having it. Mike Moustakis is walked to bring in the tying run, or, or yeah, the tying run, Curtis Granderson scoring it, who, of course, the Brewers acquire him just in time for him to be a pest against the Cubs, as he usually is. And then in the bottom of the ninth, Christian Jelic grounding into a force-out, Chris Bryant fielding the ball at third with the bases loaded. Steps on third, tries to get Jelic at first, and it is just a hair late. A lot of debate about that play, but a real bang-bang play. You've got fast runners all over the bases, and tough for Chris to really uh, take his time and make that decision. He almost got him at first, but he doesn't get him. Brewers win 4-3. to three. I'm going to spend very little time on Tuesday's game. Uh, It went poorly, let's put it that way. Uh, Mike Montgomery goes four innings, three hits, two earned, three walks, and five strikeouts. Things really started to unravel for him there uh, in the fourth and fifth inning. And uh, the Brewers winning this one 11-1. The Cubs again drew first blood in this game. Uh, Wilson Contreras reaching on a throwing error to score David Bode. And, uh... Brendan, things went downhill from there. The Brewers scored 11 unanswered runs. I don't think any of you care how exactly uh, that came to be. We saw a lot of the September call-ups for the Cubs in this game, and I don't really think anybody made uh a lasting impression on anyone here. So we'll leave it at that and we'll talk about the Cubs winning on Wednesday. The Cubs winning six to four behind a really solid start from Jose Quintana who picks up his twelfth win of the year. He goes six and two thirds, five hits, two earned, two walks, and five strikeouts on a hundred and four pitches. Would have really liked to see him finish that seventh inning, but it was time to go get him. The Cubs getting their runs in this one again they drew first blood so the Cubs led in all three of these games to start Daniel Murphy his 10th homer of the year was a big fourth inning for the Cubs Anthony Rizzo bringing in the second run Zobrist with a double to bring in the third and Wilson Contreras with a single to make it four to nothing the Brewers would make it four to one on a Jonathan Scoop single glad we don't have to say that uh, name at least for one episode Brendan we'll have to do it again next week unfortunately uh in the fifth Ben Zobrist singles. Daniel Murphy scores. Anthony Rizzo was called out at the plate. I really think he was safe, but there, in 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 reality, there was no view that I think definitively uh, proved that. But a really lazy play from uh, I believe it was Kratz catching. I don't know why he tagged him like that uh, but it didn't count anyway so five to one in the fifth Kyle Schwarber with an absolute tank a kind of it had like a Sammy Sosa at Miller Park kind of vibe to it with where he hit this ball for his 25th of the year and then the Brewers would add two more excuse me three more to cut it to six to four but the Cubs bullpen was up to the task tonight Jesse Chavez uh, gives up a home run to Curtis Granderson to make it six to four. So not Chavez's best outing, but he uh, was probably due for one of those with how good he has been. Steve Cishek, Justin Wilson, and Pedro Strope lock things down. A really gutsy effort from Pedro Strope, who did not get uh, a couple of borderline calls to Travis Shaw to lead off that ninth inning, and then obviously had to battle around a leadoff walk through the meat of the Brewers' order. So he did a really nice job there to pick up his 12th save. And all told, Brendan, I will throw it to you here, uh, but the Cubs now at 82-57. and They have a four-game lead on the Milwaukee Brewers, the St. Louis Cardinals winning tonight in Washington, so they are four and a half games behind the Chicago Cubs. Both teams, five games in the loss column. So, obviously, an important number to keep in the back of your mind as we keep mentioning that uh, loss column situation. So, any uh, general thoughts, Brendan, as we look at it now? If the Cubs go 12 and 11 in their final 23 games, the Brewers will have to go 15 and 6. To tie them so I think you know especially with how bad that game on Tuesday was the Cubs are in a pretty good
1: position here yeah and that's the thing too the Cardinals also have to go 16 and 6 Corey this is kind of where you hoped the Cubs would be two months ago I mean all things considered KB is back Quintana looked I think pretty good in that last start and the offense for the most part Looked pretty good against some difficult pitchers, I thought. Overall, I think the first game, probably one of the more disappointing games of the season. The second game, complete trash. That may have been just their their worst game of the season. But for them to come back in that third game and to pull out that win against the Brewers' best pitcher, one of the better pitchers in the league probably this year, shows a lot about their resilience. And that's been kind of the theme this year for this team so that's what i'm left away with too and especially for pedro strobe cory for him to come in in that environment after some of the struggles he's had recently he faced adversity the first two batters he comes back he locks it down and that's that's kind of the mo of this team this year despite playing poorly or struggling on games before they can come back and they show up i think that's all you can ask for so yeah the Brewers have to go fifteen and six. The Cardinals sixteen and six. The Cubs twelve and eleven. Like unless something like tragically happens, Corey, to this team, it's it's almost an ideal situation to be in. It, I mean, you you never want to get too ahead of yourself, uh,
0: but I, I think we just you know expect the Cubs to play better than that. So I think when you can look at the numbers and especially when you, you know, look at numbers like that, you can know as a team and as fans of this team, Cubs show up, take care of business, play good baseball on a daily basis, which they did not do on Tuesday. Uh, but you know, that's, they control their destiny here, you know, and it's not separated by a game, like show up, you know, put your blinders on, play good baseball, clean baseball. And you really shouldn't have any issue here, like you said, barring some major uh, disaster. Which you know, these are the new Cubs, Brendan. We don't we don't think that way anymore. We think that they're going to get it done. <laughs> uh, so I, I do want to point out before we go any further, just because I'm I'm, I'm reading this as it's coming in. Uh, if you noticed Kyle Schwarber running a little weird after he hit that home run, no, no, uh, he, he it's all good. No, uh, Madden said that uh, Schwarber told him that his back was acting up after his slide <laughs> you, into third. Are you serious? Is this, is this for real? Earlier in the game. Uh, and so he knew that before he hit that home run. So he, he hit a ball 440 feet uh, with whatever, you know, is going on with his back. But Madden said he's
1: fine. He's day-to-day. Corey, so, did, you, still- ha, ha, did you Did you Did you see my message to you when he hit that? You, About you, his back? Yeah, I said like I messaged you back saying hopefully he did not hurt his back on that swing. I had no idea whatsoever that I was that I was thinking. Well, I was it wasn't that. on that swing. Oh, well, you know what I'm thinking. Yeah. I, I was being you know like just an idiot. I, I had no didn't idea. You see everybody on Twitter talking about that. Everybody no, was talking about. I that. didn't see that. Oh,
0: just oh, you don't you <laughs> you don't like Jesse There's some people that are on
1: mute, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, but that's good that he's okay. I, I I did not see that happening. So what what exactly happened there?
0: He just said on his slide to third. He said his back started acting up, okay. but it
1: didn't prevent him from murdering that baseball. Okay. So. I mean that was uh, if that, if that was four hundred and thirty six feet. I'd be shocked. That was the stack cast readout. Yeah, There's no I think way. that was low. No way. That yeah. ball was carrying like crazy. Uh, yeah, One hundred and nine point five off the bat. Uh, also, too Corey. Since we're on the the topic of just you know good good performances, especially from guys who've been struggling and been injured. Chris Bryant, I thought looked pretty good today, um, or in that third game rather. You. Uh mentioned he had one hard hit ball that went 393 feet to almost dead center, kind of in that little well area. Yeah. Of, that's good to see. And he had another hard hit ball as well. So all things considered, uh, Chris has looked pretty good, I think. I mean, he's still getting back into the swing of things. And some swings, he still lets that, that one hand of follow through go, probably from muscle, muscle memory. But I think that third game was a trend in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think to expect him to come back and be ripping the cover off the ball is just not realistic, and I and I don't think it's helpful at all. I think you know it's something that you got to take it game by game and and get back into the swing of thing. And then, and like you mentioned, I mean, they're going up against on Wednesday a guy in Chassin who prior to Daniel Murphy's home run they hadn't scored on all year. So, you know, I think, you know, those first couple of bats from KB, I think a couple of, uh, I think either both of them are pop-ups, but they were both not well hit. And, you know, then he kind of got better as the game went along. And, you know, like you said, on that uh, one that Kane ends up catching in center field, like that's probably a home run uh, in some other parks and on different days, you know, maybe with the roof open, I think it was closed tonight. So, yeah I think all told he he looks pretty good and you know it it gets lost a little bit in the decision making but he did make a really nice diving stop on that Yelich ball um you know the the decision to go to third and first notwithstanding like that was a solid play you know so this is a guy who you know really obviously has not seen much game action over the last few months and I think he's looked pretty good I, I think he's he's getting up to speed pretty nicely. Um, so I, I think that's, you know, at this point, all you can ask for, you know, he's still adjusting to what he's trying to do with his finish with the two hands. You know, he had already heard that maybe he wouldn't be at full strength anyway. So I think he's progressing nicely. I don't have any issue there. And just because I, I just mentioned it, I, I, I do think it's worth pointing out. You know, we obviously have talked about how important daniel murphy has been and can be to this lineup but i don't think it's any coincidence he goes three for four tonight they don't score off just all year daniel murphy changes that with home run real quick
1: yeah and uh, i said i wouldn't mention it but i'm going to anyway the the decision for chris bryant to go to third base then first base in that very first game that which eventually led to the brewers win i i understand a lot of people's perceptions that he should have gone home Especially when you look at some of the stills and you just reevaluate the video, it does look like Chris has time to nail the runner at home plate. However, here's the thing though. Corey, when a ball is hit 95 miles per hour, probably harder, to your glove side, that momentum carried him to third base. You gotta make a snap decision there. And so it's not fair to say, oh, Chris should have gone home. You look at look how much time he has. It's not like that you like you have momentum going to third base you have a nanosecond to make a decision because if you if you hesitate whatsoever on anything whether it's going home or third you're going to blow the play up so i don't think it's fair to criticize Bryant for making the decision that he made ultimately that's his body instinctual decision that he went to third base and went to first base it didn't work out but i have no issues with that no, I didn't. I didn't really either. I mean,
0: certainly he didn't get him at first, so it's very easy to watch that play it and was say, by like "Hey, a, Chris, it was you should have gone step home
1: too." You know, it was, yeah. It was so but close. you know, you've
0: got. Um, I think it was Yelich, or excuse me, Kane, who was on first. You know, so he's a good runner, so it's tough to think. You know, can you go to second? And, you know, I think if he throws that ball home, and I think it was uh, Scoop on, on third, you know, if he hits him in the back with the throw or it's a little offline and, you know, Willie has to step off the plate, you know, whatever, right? Like everybody's then saying, oh, he should have just stepped on the back. Right. I didn't have a problem with it. I, I think, like you said, it's a bang-bang play. You've got a quick runner in Yellich you got to make up your mind and he he committed to a play very quickly and he made a nice play He almost gets him at first base Chris Christian Yelich is a a really good runner and he almost made the play so it happens uh I I think you know like you said as long as a guy is you know making a good play a good diving stop and is convicted in what he's doing got up go to third make a strong throw I I don't really have a problem with it um I think it's yeah one of those things that's easy to nitpick and and you know look the play is at home of course it is but you know he was convicted in what he was doing it didn't work out it's not that big of a deal yeah. um I, I i do want to touch on the some of the starting pitching in this one just to to delve into it uh, a little bit cole hamels good again mike montgomery not great kind of uh unraveled a little bit in this one i don't know what it was in this series about uh Eric Kratz getting hit with balls that already <laughs> bounced. I, I can't say I've ever seen that, Brendan. A guy getting hit twice on balls that already bounced. It was very strange. And of all people to be hitting, uh, Eric Kratz is not not the best. Uh, but overall, you know, I think the starting pitching in this series was really good. Cole Hamels was really good again. And Jose Quintana, I, th- I thought, was, was good in this game. Uh, he wasn't perfect, but he was very good. You know, you could tell he was pumped up when he went back out there for that seventh. He really wanted to get through it. And, you know, all things considered, whether it was his best start of the year or not, I, it was a big start. And, and, you know, this is one of those times where, you know, you always, you know, every time he pitches, you're going to, it's going to come up with the trade that got him here. And, You know, I think tonight was one of those starts where it was like, look, dude, we need you to be the pitcher we traded for. I don't care who we traded to get you, but we need you to stop this bleeding right now. We cannot get swept by this team. This is a big outing for you. And he stepped up and he got it done and he gave the team a chance to
1: win. Yeah. And it was very similar to what he did last year, too, in September in Milwaukee. Uh, Last year, he had a, I think it was, what is it, a complete game, if not close to a complete game. That's that's the one thing with Q. And we've and by we I mean mostly I have been I don't know if even critical is the right word, Corey. Maybe maybe it is, but general discontent is probably a better word with what Q has done this year. Um all things considered, that was a better start. The the biggest takeaway from Q was the velocity was higher than in most previous start so that was encouraging he was hitting 92 to 95 corey which is something we haven't seen from q in a while and not only that the whiffs came back he had nine whiffs on his fastball he had three whiffs on his curveball those rates are within his career average so if he can just do that and command some of the pitches that he did going forward that's the quintana that we all thought we were going to get and to do that on the biggest stage this year in in a way, environment was impressive. So as much smack again, I don't even want to use this word smack because it's not. I don't think that's a fair representation of what I've been saying. But for as as much things that have been perceived as negative that I've said about Quintana, he he really turned that around and addressed. I think a lot of the concerns that not only I was having, but other people were having were having too with the velocity dip, with the lack of command. This was probably what you hope to see Q do and hope that you continue to see him do going forward so yeah I think if we're going to do one big takeaway from the series I have two one is Quintana the second one is Stroke but just to see Q step up in a big situation and you combine that with what Hendricks has done recently and Hamels continues to do and Lester continues to do that's a that's a strong front for if Q can return to what we've seen in the past.
0: Right, and 14 total whiffs from Q tonight, always very good good. good to see. And, you know, Jelic didn't start the game on Wednesday, but the Brewers lineup is good and has a lot of really quality hitters and certainly plenty of guys who, if you make a mistake, as we saw the last time Q faced them when he threw those two curveballs to Ryan Braun, they'll jump all over them. So uh, it was a a really good start. And, And like you were saying, I think you're feeling very confident in those four guys, you know, if Quintana's your four right now, you know, a start like that on Wednesday night against the Brewers really gives you confidence. And I think, you know, where we've kind of seen this ebb and flow a lot with how we felt about the starting rotation throughout the year, I think you're feeling pretty good about it right now with, like you said, Hamels, Lester, Hendricks, and Quintana. I think you're, you know, pretty comfortable riding with that right now and and not even comfortable, pretty confident. Um, right. One other thing, from just tonight uh i i do want to touch on the bullpen a little bit but i figure we can lump that together so just one last thing from tonight i we we talk about it a lot and i know we talked about the the milestones that he reached in the last episode but javi baez is really just amazing (laughs) i know i'm not brendan breaking news here uh right now (laughs) in the cubs related (laughs) podcast javier baez is good at baseball. I know hot take. I'm I'm going to be ripped apart for saying that, but I the way that he was in Lorenzo Cain's head in this series was really remarkable and it is something, you know, for that to be so visible is really amazing and so, you know, twice balls are hit to Cain and on I think it was in Monday's game, he makes a quick bobble, and that allows Javi to just keep running. So he scores from first on a single. Great send by Brian Butterfield. I love, too, that you can tell that Brian Butterfield, I mean, it's his job, but obviously he is aware of who is on base, and he has now, you know, been around long enough with this team to understand, okay, Javi, we got a small bobble. Keep on running, kid. Like, I'm not not getting in the way here. Like, you know, do your thing. Like, go ahead. And then in the game on Wednesday you have Yelich or excuse me Kane I get the two of them mixed up they're like in lockstep with one another Kane and Yelich. uh you have Kane try to throw out Baez going first to third on a single and he airmails the throw and so obviously Javi just keeps running and it's just amazing to see the effect that he has on the game and we, we talked about his MVP case a little bit, a few times in the past, but I think those moments are so important and I don't know that they'll get considered. I don't know that the writers who vote on these things will consider things like that or if they'll just look at the numbers, but Javi has such an ability to affect games. I think JD said it tonight when he was rounding home, he creates chaos and that is exactly what he does. And I know that there are people out there who maybe worry when he does certain things or try to take an extra bag, but it almost never goes wrong for him. He has an incredible ability to read these plays and basically say, I dare you to make a perfect play to get me out. And here- I'm ready to make a perfect slide or a perfect read to get in there. You need to be perfect, Lorenzo Cain. And he twice was not. And yeah. it's
1: amazing. Well, in. And- maybe i'm wrong here but maybe i'm not but like the league is aware that javi does this the scouting reports show javi does this so i think you know if he's rounding second base and near a center fielder you know you make one small bobble you're costing your team a run you know you know what i'm saying like i wonder if that's the thing because we, we've seen it now what is it four or five times this year This a little tiny hiccup in center field results in a run with javi going and yeah, man. Like, I think when we talk about the MVP discussion and just base running in general, like, this is this is what we're talking about. That changed the game tonight. Again, Corey, changed the game again tonight. And if the Cubs were to have pulled out the first game, that would have been another deciding factor in that game as well. So we've seen it now. We saw it in San Diego. I, think, I believe we saw it in Pittsburgh, too, uh, or against Pittsburgh. I'm forgetting it. It's, it's so frequent that I forget who he's done it against. But yeah, like, it. it it's... at at this point the only word to describe it is just it's fun that's the thing like it doesn't come as a surprise anymore it's just it's fun and to see the emotion that he plays with when he makes a play like that is contagious and in an environment like this in September it's this is kind of like what you live for it's kind of what you just hope to see and I think yeah I, I it's seeing hobby transform this year just in all facets defensively Base running wise, offensively has been probably I think the most shocking thing we've seen, and yeah, that's that's all I really got. I'm, I'm almost at this point; it's been a weekly thing with Javi. There's not much more to say. This is like who he is now. Yeah, I think just you know
0: we have to we could talk about it every episode basically for the entire time. So just try to I, pick our spots, I guess, where we're gonna gush about Javi. But it's yeah, it's it's really quite something to watch. So let's move into the bullpen because I think we have a pretty solid chunk of things to discuss here. The first of which is that we get some quotes, some updates today that the Cubs are not particularly optimistic about Brandon Morrow being ready for the end of this year. And The quote from Madden here is uh, it's hard to get him up to speed. You have to talk about building arm strength up, seeing hitters, throwing day off, throwing again, and then just being cautious regarding consecutive appearances. So (laughs) yeah, he's also answering questions about whether they can win without a bona fide closer. So yeah, we've kind of been worried about this to a degree and it does seem like they're preparing for the fact that he may not come back basically that there just may not be enough time for him to get back up to speed here so I, it's I, not I guess surprising I'll throw to you either. first Brendan yeah any any thoughts just on Moro and then we can kind of go to everybody else
1: well it's not surprising I think we've said it for the past few weeks now like It's September 6th, Corey, the playoff start in a little over four weeks. So for him to come back and to rely on this guy to go not just multiple innings, but back to back outings right now, I don't think you can. I don't even think if he were to be healthy next week and playing in games, that would be a reality. So if that's the case, in your mind as a fan, at least how I'm approaching this, you have to expect that, you know what, it's not going to happen. You're going to go in the playoffs with Strope, with Wilson, with CJ CJ, and Chavez, and Hope. And I think I'm comfortable assuming that's enough. And if Maro can come back and give you an inning every other game, that's that's the cherry on top. But if we're able to see outings like, for example, Strope in that third game of the series to come back in adversity to strike out some guys. Struck out the guy to to win the game to get the double play. That's that's what you hope to see even from Morrow. And I think my confidence in the bullpen, despite Morrow going out, it does waver a little bit. But it's not it's not like the end of the world. They've they've built depth for these situations.
0: Yeah, I look. It, it's going to be a roller coaster, right? uh But I, I think that they're I think they're well suited to pull this off. And, you know, I think it was good because I know you brought up the last time that you had wished that Pedro had been allowed to, uh, you know, work through a struggle. Yeah. And it was good that he was able to do that tonight because he's going to have to, you know, in the playoffs, you don't necessarily have the luxury of, you know, switching out every batter every time, you know, you got to keep some guys fresh, you got to play matchups, et cetera. So I thought it was good to see that again overcoming a borderline leadoff walk I think that you know two of the pitches that were in the zone uh, to Shaw maybe their balls maybe their strikes but you would have liked to seen him get a call so it was nice to see him overcome that again against the meat of the Brewers orders so I think that was good and you know look am I ever going to feel a hundred percent confident no sweat you know like we did with Morrow at times this year with say, Justin Wilson and Pedro Strope and Edwards getting these last outs in some of these games? No, I'd be lying if I said I I, I did. But I I think that they have a a solid group to get through this. And, you know, look, at the end of the day, it kind of reminds me of something Theo said in the whole Darvis situation where he said, you know, look, we'd be fools to not anticipate that we may need to have some other solution here it would be pretty stupid of us to not be prepared for the possibility that darvish doesn't come back right that's what he was saying yeah early on he in that experience and it's happen. yeah and it's you the know. same with moro so it's like you know look you have the rest of this month here and hopefully by the end of it some of the games are not super important to get guys ready you know if that means you know letting pedro just try some Two inning saves or things like that, you know, you go for it. That's what you have the time to do now. So I think they're well suited for it. Let me ask you, let me ask you a question.
1: Yeah. Okay. So if Morrow were perfectly healthy, Corey, in this bullpen, on a scale of one to 10, what would be your confidence level with 10 being the highest? Just in the bullpen? Yeah, just in the bullpen. It'd be a 10. Okay. And so he's out. So what is it now?
0: I don't know, maybe I you know, I'm not you know I'm not good with these numbers. But I maybe come on, like this.
1: I'll give you mine. I eight think, and a half. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't think
0: it takes it. I, I really don't think it takes it down that much. I, I think it's just going to be I think it
1: I think it does. Like I'm not gonna like Okay, you know, I'm not gonna be here and be like, Oh, he's gonna be completely fine or whatever. I do think it's it sucks, but I think if a ten was moral being healthy, I think an eight is fair, right? I think we didn't know Jesse Chavez would be like this two months ago, and Justin Wilson, which by the way, has been an under, I think an underappreciated development this year, what he's been able to do recently. Those front five are, 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 are going to be okay. And I said it now, was it the last two podcasts, but if Montgomery can come back and look better, which even though he got a little rattled late against the start in Milwaukee, he still got his whiffs, which was a good sign just like his first start back from the DL. If he can come back healthy and continue to do this, that's not a bad option to have for a two- or three-inning guy out of the bullpen. So, if, again, if Morrow's a 10, then I think without him, the bullpen's an 8. And if that's the case, I think that's okay. I really do.
0: Yeah, I th- I, I do think it, it'll be fine. It, it does highlight something that I, th- I think we've talked about before, Uh, in Monday's game, where I think the biggest thing that changes here, if you don't have moral—and this is always true, but obviously I think especially true if you're moving everybody up in terms of the uh, type of leverage they're going to be dealing with. Joe has to be on the hook with some (laughs) of these guys. Letting Edwards walk in a run in Monday's game, to me, is inexcusable. And you can debate whether— The curveball, I think it was to Travis Shaw, was a strike or not. I don't care, okay? He threw enough balls. he, He was bad enough in that inning that to blame it on one missed call or potentially missed call is misguided, in my opinion. This is a guy who basically his entire career at the major league level, when it's not there, it's not there, and it's not going to be there. We know it. Everybody else watching knows it. Everybody I follow on Twitter knows it. And it's 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 not, you know, negative Nancy stuff. It's you can tell pretty quickly if Edwards does not have his command. And he can still get away with it because he's got great stuff. But you got to have a quicker hook with some of these guys. and And so that's the only thing I think that maybe concerns you a little bit more is that Joe isn't going to have as much of a luxury in that regard because he's down a man and obviously down the man who was supposed to be eating the highest leverage innings. And when he was healthy was lights out. So that's one thing that I would just, you know, want to keep an eye on. And I think, it you know, it's the same with Justin Wilson. We've seen that as well, that, you know, when these, when these guys start to look like they're losing it, you you have to have somebody up and ready to go because it's just, very likely it's not going to be there and you know that's just something we need to accept it's fine Edwards has been very good he has outings like this so does everybody in the bullpen it's a thankless job everybody remembers the one time you screw something up or can't throw strikes nobody cares about the you know 25 other times
1: you get the job done but regardless that's a tough situation though Like, of course, like we we talked about this before. I forgot when, though. It was it was during last season. But when you get a guy up like Carl, you put him in the game, it's difficult to get up another high leverage reliever because you're going to need that guy in the next inning. No doubt. But I just think it's
0: something that, you know, it. It. It plays out a certain way fairly often when this when it happens. Yeah. So I think you just you know you kind of have to ask yourself like, well, what are you expecting to happen well, and, here? And, you know, and, and
1: yeah. And here's a good parallel too, just because I, I do think about that quite often. Um, like when Lester in Game Seven of the World Series, by the way, wish the Cubs won. Uh, the reason right, true, yeah, they did win. The reason Lester came in, the time he did in the fifth inning was because he was warming up for two innings. So. Like Madden almost had no choice. You can't have Lester or any pitcher warming up for a significant amount of time and not put him in. Yeah, so that's, I, that's well, the point. That I mean,
0: I'm not. I'm not. I'm not no, I, yeah. I understand. Yeah, I, I again, I don't necessarily. I don't. I just my confidence in the bullpen was higher than you. So I'm not. But I, but I don't I mean this to say that, that I'm. Break. Yeah. Worried about anything. But I'm just saying that, you know, when you lose your closer, your high leverage reliever, that's something that I think becomes a little more important is, you know, you're trusting these guys a little bit more, which also I think in turn means you need to have a a tighter hold on the leash, right? Just be mindful of, you know, some of these guys and some of these high leverage spots that if it looks like it might go south, it might go south. So, um, But all things told, yeah, I think, you know, look, this group, you know, the main group being Edwards, Ciszek, Chavez, Wilson, Strope. I, you know, I I feel pretty good about that group. I didn't forget anybody, did I? Uh, No, I think you're good. I don't think so. You know, and like you said, you move Montgomery in there once you get to the playoffs, more than likely, unless, you know, like you've mentioned before, you want to keep him uh, stretched out to a degree, but you know, you've got some good, some good arms in there, some, some good reliable guys. And I I think that they'll be able to get the job done. And I tweeted this today, but you can go back and watch the footage of Mike Montgomery celebrating as Brendan just mentioned, when the Cubs win game seven of the world series, Mike of course is on the mound, uh, when that happens, it's an okay celebration, right? You have Pedro Strope out there, this. okay? You guys want a celebration. You guys want a gif that we'll be able to use for the rest of our lives. You want to have a video that you'll be able to look at and say, wow, inject that straight into my bloodstream. Pedro Strop's your man. Okay? Oh, what, do you, what do you think he would do? Like what, like what do you see in your he, mind? I think he would literally fist pump so hard that he would tear his shoulder doing it. <laughs> That's what I think will happen. I think we'll read the next day. We'll see him at the parade holding the trophy, with you know a cast or something, a sling on his arm.
1: I'm just worried what Rizzo would do. Yeah, I know like Rizzo and and Bryant had their trademark hug, but I think the moment mm-hmm. that hug ends, uh, Strope would be on the ground because Rizzo would just <laughs> nail him. You know, like some. I, you know, we also should point
0: out. You know, when you look at the bullpen and how everything shakes out, the Cubs do have you know, a sort of secret weapon in their back pocket. They got a guy with a 0.0 career ERA <laughs> as a relief pitcher. You know, you can yield that weapon whenever you want. Uh, you know, I'm, I I think, I don't know how comfortable you would be seeing Anthony Rizzo
1: pitch in a playoff game, Brendan, but, you know, I'm here for it. Well, he has a, a nice EFIS pitch, Corey. You know, not, not everyone has that. I mean, Darvish has one. He got him $126 million, so, you know. If, if if Rizzo pitches in a playoff game, something tragically went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that that is that is. Well, what that if is they're up by like twenty in Game
0: Six of the World Series and they're going to win, and Joe feels like having a good time? No, if, I'm kidding. If they're they're up, don't
1: do that. If I they're up twenty, like, yeah, yeah. All right, can but, we get more uh, negative? Is that okay? Can we get a little bit more yes. negative? So so here okay. here's what we're, here gonna we're going to do, guys. Yep.
0: And we wanted to be pretty clear uh, about kind of how we went through things, and I think if you. If we had recorded this podcast on Tuesday, it would have had a a different feel to it. But as we mentioned, the Cubs do the job that they needed to do. They won one game here. The Brewers only pick up a game over the course of three days, which when you're in September and you're talking about uh, 25, I think it was 25 games left, 26 heading into this Milwaukee series, you got to keep things in perspective right because it's all about time at this point the brewers and cardinals don't have it the cubs have plenty of it at least right now so for us it was important to you know look That game on Tuesday was a disaster, but there's really no reason to talk too much about it. The Cubs got their nonsense out in one game. It was bad. The stupid Brewers fans get to have their yucks and fly their giant L flag, which I can almost guarantee you will be their greatest accomplishment of the 2018 season. So I guess let them enjoy it. I got it. That that, that was pretty clever. At least they got the colors right. We've seen so many people get the colors wrong. If you're going to fly the L, folks, it's a blue flag okay, with a white L. Like, people it realize, really, like,
1: they do that at Wrigley, too, right? Like, people uh, yeah, it's, realize it's, that. it's
0: not really offensive. I know. We're aware of like, the you know, It happens, and like, 50 we, times a year, yeah, but Wrigley okay. Field displays that intentionally, right. Uh, like I said, we, we can let the, the children in Milwaukee have their small victories. It really doesn't uh, make much of a difference <laughs> to me. Uh, but important to keep perspective right? Because I yeah. just think, you know, you read some of the things after those first two games, and you'd think you were watching a last place team. And it's like, the Cubs just had a great stretch of games against some good teams, great pitchers, and they end up getting the job done here in Milwaukee. So that's why the the tone of this podcast has been what it was up until this point, Brendan. And th- we've talked about this before, but I, I do think it is something to hone in on in this particular series. And it, that is the catching of Wilson well the overall play of Wilson Contreras and as usual when we we dissect something like this this really is not meant to dog Wilson Contreras uh because you know his overall production on the year is still pretty good you know yeah Yeah. so so this is not but it's just to you know again sometimes these are the things that come up and and that warrant talking about and you know, we've talked about his hitting for a while now. I I don't really think between now and the end of the year, it's going to get better. I think they're going to have to dig in and kind of see maybe the effect that Chili Davis has had on him, the effect that the workload of of catching so many innings, uh, you know, especially as as a young catcher and someone who, you know, hasn't played this position uh, for forever. But his receiving... Is bad he dropped just straight up dropped several balls over the course of these games uh you know granted sometimes guys miss their spots but i just feel like it was a pretty high number of balls just popping out of his glove he doesn't get down t- to block the montgomery pitch uh while wade miley was batting that allows the tying run to score in uh tuesday's game and he just yeah um i i know that that many people have their their feelings on the robot strike zone and pitch framing as a whole but here's the reality right whether you think it's stupid that pitch fr- i think it's stupid that pitch framing is a thing so does brendan neither of us are pro human umpire i'm very very anti but here's a news flash for everybody that that has a huge problem with it that's how the game works Okay, so it doesn't matter if we think umpires are stupid. They still call the balls and strikes. You can complain about it all you want. But the fact of the matter is under the current rules and the way Major League Baseball is played, Wilson Contreras costs his pitchers strikes a lot, a lot. And I I don't know why it felt particularly worse in this series, but from a visible, it was worse. You know, from my observation, it felt a lot worse. He was a total disaster behind the plate defensively. And this is, you know, he has a cannon for an arm. He also has incredible instincts behind the plate of when to back pick and stuff like that. But, you know, you got to call a spade a spade sometimes. And just uh, some disappointing efforts from him on the defensive side. And, and we've mentioned before that you know, some of this, maybe a lot of this is not his fault. He has a, a big workload and he has for the last couple of years now. Team has played deep into October every year uh, since he's been on the team. He's been a huge part of it. So not to discount that again, not to dog Wilson
1: Contreras, but just something that I think warrants discussing Brendan. Well, yeah. And here, here's the thing too. And I wrote about this on CubsInsider.com, but it, it's hard to talk about these topics because, one, especially with Wilson, he plays with so much passion and is tangible, and he cares so much, and he's improved so much over the last two years, but I, I'd be so, a little surprised if just the, the general fatigue is, is clicking in, whether that's psychologically or physically or whatever, Corey, this series, he must have missed just in that last game alone, like three or four pitches that were completely in the strike zone. This completely in the strike zone, just from a a receiving framing perspective, there's just a little bit too much movement going on. And Look, I'm not a coach. I'm not a catcher. But I do know when you contrast what Contreras did to what Katz did, um, for the Brewers, who's one of the better pitch receivers in the league, it's noticeable, and it does make a difference. So, I I don't I don't know I don't know if the Cubs planned on using Chris Jimenez more frequently when they signed him earlier in the year. I don't know if they did if they didn't assume that Wilson would be catching this much. But that, those things just can't happen, man. And hopefully, the best case scenario. Is the Cubs continue can continue to pull away and you give Wilson more rest, but what we're seeing that that just can't happen. Like when a ball is on the corner of the plate and the complete ball is in the strike zone, it's got to be called a strike. When you have too much movement like that, it's just it, it drastically changes the output of the game. Corey, even in that ninth inning, the first batter of the ninth inning on that one pitch down in the strike zone, the ball was in the strike zone completely. Called the ball. Wilson moved way too much. You can tell right off the bat, and it ended up costing the base runner. So those are the the things I'm talking about. Is my concern level high? I I don't know. I don't, maybe I am concerned because the 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 backup option is almost non-existent. Like Caratini's worse than Contreras, which you know it's kind of hard to do right now. But that's the reality of the situation. Even the metrics say that too. And Caratini can't hit the baseball, so that that's where I'm at. My my ideal outlook is they can pull ahead. You can rest Wilson a little bit more. By the time late September, October comes around, hopefully these little mishaps that we're seeing will go away.
0: Yeah, well, I think my biggest thing is is and and you know kind of why I prefaced it with such a long thing to kind of really give our frame of mind here. The, the thing that really jumps out to me is i am more concerned about why someone who looked so good last year and now granted it it's not like he was an excellent framer last year but you know he's he's a young catcher so you kind of expect these things to have a progression to them but my concern is why a guy who looked like a potential mvp at the plate yeah in Parts of 2016 and 2017, especially you know parts of 2017, can't hit a ball out of the infield. Now, that's what my concern is, and and again, that's why I preface it with like this isn't meant to dog Wilson. It's more just like asking what is going on here, because I mean it's weak grounder after weak grounder after weak grounder. Even the 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 single that he has that brings in a run is a weak grounder through a hole on the right side of the infield. So that's what is worrying me. And, you know, obviously he's only got nine home runs this year, 48 RBIs. I mean, these just aren't the numbers we were expecting out of him. And he, at the plate, often looks visibly pressing. Like he is just not comfortable, not as bad as Russell looked at times, not to, you know, stick the knife in there. Yeah, way to throw that in there, yeah. (laughs) But just not just not right and just not what we have seen uh, from him in the past. And, you know, the defensive stuff, it, it is what it is. It, it comes with the territory. Uh, we've heard Mike Borzello, uh, one of the Cubs' top coaches, talk about the stuff that they're working on and, you know, has admitted that framing is not his strong suit and, you know, something that they're trying to play quick catch-up with. Um, but the hitting yeah. is concerning. Um, yeah, and
1: I wasn't—I wasn't, you know, I wasn't even touching on that too just because yeah (laughs) like it's, it's it's a touchy subject and that's where i think the fatigue may come into play because although even like wilson hasn't hit for power the majority of the year and that's that's unquestionably true but at the same time he still was driving the ball for the first what is it three and a half months of the season and he had a, a WOBA and a WRC plus that was the best in Major League Baseball for catchers for a period of time. What we've seen in the past month is not what we saw in the first three months. So whether that's a Chili Davis effect or just a general fatigue effect, I tend to go with the, the, the fatigue or or and maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe that I, I do think with the increased contact rate and just the general philosophy change. That Chile has brought over. I also, Corey, I don't think it's unfair to loop in Russell to this discussion just because they're both experiencing the same thing. And by experiencing the same thing, I mean one, the lack of power. These guys both hit 21 homers in one season not too long ago. Both are under double digits this year. That's not, that's just not who these guys are. So I, God, it's such a multifaceted issue. And it sucks to well, talk and about. And I do think it's interesting, too, especially because you contrast
0: it with some other guys who, you know, we really haven't seen much of a, an issue with their power. Um, you know, obviously, Chris has had documented injury issues that have probably affected his power, um, but, you know, Rizzo's hitting bombs, Schwarber's hitting bombs, you know, Ian Happ's power is still there when he's able to make contact. So, you know, I I, I still, we've we've debated this whole Chili thing uh, a lot. And, you know, perhaps it's just one of those things where his philosophy works and fits in with what certain guys do and, you know, allows them to to still hit for power, but also do the things that Chili wants them to do. And, you know, maybe it just doesn't work as well for other guys. Um, But, yeah, I... I don't know, man. On, on Contreras, and 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 look, I mean, this is you know, you still look at his overall line. He's got a three thirty three woba and a one oh seven wrc plus on the year, so he's still been an above league average uh, hitter. He's got a cannon for an arm, so you know the value is still there. But for me, and 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 the reason that I think we talk about this is, you know, this is just a guy that we literally in the preview episode of this podcast Said had him, yeah, <laughs> like this guy legitimately could win an MVP, yeah. Um, And he doesn't look good at the plate, and he doesn't, at least from my eye, seem to have improved at all as far as uh, some of the things that weren't so great, you know, as far as his defense is concerned. So, you know, look, it's uh, we've talked about this before with other things. It's September. There's really not time to dig into this completely and, you know, try to to figure everything out. Um, So, like, I I think you're dead on there, Brennan. I mean, I think you, you have to try to get him some rest as we go forward in this season and hope that that's able to do something uh but otherwise you know it just is what it is and just because i'm thinking just because we're talking about defense um you guys saw a little bit in this series why brendan and i mentioned how bad daniel murphy is in the field and it does scare me a little bit, Brendan. I, the the dude's bat is incredible and there's no argument there. And I think it outweighs anything that goes on in the field. Um, but Man, I it's like it's you. Bad. You said this in 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 a group chat. Oh God! And I don't disagree with you. I literally think you have more range than he does, what?
1: Corey. That is the nicest thing you've ever said to me. To be me. fair,
0: I've never you know
1: I've never Dude, seen got you play, hands, so I'm I got hands. I can't get a good scouting you, report. I'm telling but. you, I can feel it. I'm telling you right now.
0: But man, I, I mean, he 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 just has no range he's awkward throwing he doesn't receive the ball well as we saw on that one uh that that Rizzo threw right no that's why I bring it up because it's like I know people don't want to see much of Addison Russell right now and I don't blame you uh you know especially he made a couple bad plays in this series in the field as well but Man, are things different when it's him and Baez up the middle as opposed to having Murphy in there? So I just, you know, look, if we're going to rag on people for defense, we might as well get everybody in at once. But, uh, (laughs) yeah. Since
1: Since we're on that topic too, Zobris made a few plays out in right field or lack thereof, rather. Like, I'm forgetting who was at the play for Milwaukee, but there was one deep fly ball to right field, and he took a terrible route to it. It was it was in the second game of the series, and then there was another one that 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 little pop up to right field. You know, I'm talking about on the hit and run. Um, yeah, that Hayward catches, and even maybe half catches. Yeah, and yeah. so like that's and maybe this is in the back of my in my mind that just who I am. But when it comes to playoff time. If Zobrist and Murphy are on the right side of the field together, I'm, I'm, I'm worried, man. I really am.
0: Yeah, no. I, and, you know, again, this isn't uh, to – because I can assure you we would not speak ill of 37-year-old Ben Zobrist in <laughs> the middle of one of the best seasons of his career.
1: You know, you know what and I'm saying though.
0: Uh, also, I don't know if you remember this, Brendan, but he was also uh, the World Series MVP. We've mentioned that World Series before. If you want to go look it up on YouTube, it's a 2016 World Series. In which which the they won. Cubs won, the Cubs won. One, yeah. They won the World uh, Series, yep. the Cleveland Indians. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it's just, I, I think that especially, you know, you bring up Hayward, especially when he wasn't an uh, league average or slightly above whatever hitter, you know, kind of always a discussion of how much value and how much precedence you should be giving to defense and you know i think there's some instances in this series in particular where maybe people who aren't believers in the value of defense and stuff like that you know maybe uh, your eyes are opened a little bit like you know what i i probably would have had rather had hayward <laughs> out there. or you know i do think that javi and addison turned that double play a little quicker and not as awkwardly as murphy does so you know, just worth it to, I, I, I think, bring that stuff up. And, and just, you know, before we get into this uh, Nationals preview here, update on Hayward. He has not resumed uh, baseball activity, but Lovely. no setbacks there yet. He just, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a hamstring thing, so they're going to they're gonna take their time. No reason to, you know, rush it with
1: him. So uh, hopefully that is something that— uh, Did we even get, like, a diagnosis for him? Out. Like, I know he has a hammy issue, but did we get, like, a grade one strain or anything? Like I haven't seen anything. I don't think we have. I that. don't yeah. think so. Yeah, don't well, think perhaps we that means it's not
0: a strain or anything. He just felt he needed to come out of the game.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Kind of like Schwarber here tonight. Hopefully both of them are fine. We haven't heard anything to suggest otherwise. Rizzo so gave take me time, a
1: boys. heart attack yesterday.
0: Like, oh, man.
1: Because
0: <laughs> that, that was that already was out of hand at that, that point. Was so I'm just reading, you know, that Rizzo did whatever and now he's out of the game and i'm like wait a minute what inning is it like, yeah. why is rizzo out of the game? and maybe it wasn't even out of hand at that point i don't even remember that game on tuesday was such no, a was, mess out, it was but, out of hand it was like six to one at the time but you're like wait a minute rizzo's out of this game in the like the sixth inning what is going on here like there, this is not this should not be a thing that was right uh, no there's no way joe is phoning this in already yeah. and you know luckily he just got hit on the foot obviously he played on wednesday so he's fine but yeah you want to talk about
1: an easy way to give a bunch of people a heart attack that's it i, I was uh, dark thoughts there Corey. dark thoughts all right let me preview this series against the nationals what, Brendan. you don't yeah. want victor caratini at first base in the playoffs <laughs> and then uh the next inning he booted one uh on, on a scoop uh which was a little frustrating okay so let's do this uh four game set i guess the nationals starts thursday today Game time at 6:05 p.m. Central Time. We have Steven Strasburg on the mound for the Nationals. Not the best year for Strasburg. 7 and 7 at 4.09 ERA, right? Hendricks will take the mound for the Cubs, 11 and 10 with a 3.77 ERA. And then on Friday, same start time at 6:05 p.m., we have your boy John Lester on the mound. He will be facing Tyson Ross's brother, Joe Ross, and he is apparently this is his first start of the year. Uh, I actually like Ross. I think he has phenomenal stuff. He has about four or five pitches that that move more than above the major league average, so that would be a tough matchup, I think. And then on Saturday, Cole Hamill is back in the mound for the Cubs. He'll be facing Max Scherzer. Scherzer, of course, a Cy Young candidate. His total numbers of the year, 16-6 with a 2.28 ERA. Hamill's total numbers for the year, 9-9 with a 3.67 ERA. That game starts at 6.05 p.m. as well. Uh, then to finish off the four game set will be on Sunday in early one, 12 35 p.m. Central Time. For you guys in Chicago, Mike Montgomery on the mound, four and five with a 3.85 ERA. He'll face, and I don't know how to pronounce his last name. It's I don't know if the E is silent, but it's Freddy or Fetty. No, it's Fetty or Fed, what, whatever it is. Uh, he's one and three with a 6.00 ERA. The Nationals did not do well against the Cardinals. They they dropped the last game of the set today against the Cardinals. They were down 7-0, almost came back, did not prevail. Their total record this year is 69-71. and 71 Again, the Cubs are eighty-two and fifty-seven, and they are in a very favorable position. They're four games up and four and a half games up of the Brewers and Cardinals. You heard us talk about how the Cardinals and Brewers have to go fifteen and six and sixteen and six to even catch the Cubs if the Cubs basically play five hundred ball the rest of the year. So that's where we are, at, Corey. Um, you know, typically I give my players to watch or just trends to watch for the upcoming series, but we're. we're reaching beyond those points you got to win these games um the the tough one i really think will be that raw start i'm telling you he's got great stuff and the cubs haven't faced him for a while and they tend to do not optimally against those types of pitchers whom they've never really faced so that that will be a tough one yeah you're right it's basically just win games put
0: your head down and win games and i the last group of people i expect to be caught in a trap situation is this group of Chicago Cubs. But yeah. this is a, a tough series. Four games against a, you know, out-of-it Washington team, but still a talented group, especially because the Cubs were nice enough to take uh, one of their not-so-good relievers. But we'll leave that for a, another another time. Uh, sorry, Brandon. But... <laughs> You know, look, this is sandwiched in between two series against the Brewers. So uh, this is four games with a game Washington Nationals team. And, you know, you got to be careful not to think too much about the Brewers. You know, you don't want to look ahead to hopefully putting the Brewers down for good uh, in that series at Wrigley next week. And, you know, obviously you're coming off of a pretty energetic tense uptight series here these last three days so again i this is the last group of people especially led by joe madden i expect to fall into traps like that but you know just pointing out it's it's a little interesting nuance of the schedule that you kind of have to focus on the task at hand and not get lost in some of these playoff like series that you're playing with the brewers uh here in this month but yeah put blinders on and put your head down and win games doesn't matter how you do it doesn't matter how you get there you've got a nice cushion in this uh division like i said in in the uh intro here you've got five in hand in the loss column on both the cardinals and brewers so it's pretty simple folks just don't lose those five games you can (laughs) lose four of them don't lose five of them So that's how math works. Good job there. That's that is how math works. And if the Brewers or Cardinals are nice enough to lose uh, over the weekend, you know, then you get a kind of a freebie there. So but yeah, I I think it's, you know, basically just put your head down and uh, and win. And, you know, like I said, you can't really do this yet. But, you know, you do obviously have to start getting in the mindset of we're headed towards the playoffs so getting guys you know like we were talking about letting Strobe through this uh on wednesday and you know just getting these guys more in uh on the ready as as we get closer to finishing up this uh season here and just for the record the cardinals are off on thursday they will head to detroit to play the detroit tigers And the Brewers will host the San Francisco Giants. So not exactly feeling like the Cubs are going to get a lot of help
1: uh, over the course of
0: this weekend. But, yeah, you you never know. And the only other thing I would say is, you know, if— because I'm sure, as the uh, closeted Cub fan that he is, I'm sure Bryce Harper is a
1: frequent <laughs> listener of the Cubs-related podcast. He's welcome anytime to on the podcast. And
0: I, yeah, I would just say this: you know, he did some really good work against the St. Louis Cardinals uh, in this series that they just finished up. But you know, I would just say, Bryce, like you know, look, you want Theo to write a big check? We're going to remember if you know you cause some problems here this weekend. So maybe take it easy. Hang out with your dog, Wrigley. Okay, think <laughs> happy thoughts. You know, think about the off season, the, the check you're going to cash, and just leave us alone. Okay, buddy. Like, the, let's just just let us get through this. We'll talk to you in a few months, and and, and we'll see where
1: things are at. Yeah, and he had the flu or the cold, whatever it was last week that missed that. Cause him to miss a few games, you know. If you're feeling a little ill, you know, you got like a, another another flu take coming. It easy, along. Man, take yeah, it you can't easy. risk it. You can't risk mm-hmm. it. You're out of the playoff line. Just you know, take a take it's a, a little a free, free agent there. year. Don't do it, Bryce. Yeah. Just take it easy. Yeah, Corey, that's all I really got, man. I, I think you know you got to enjoy these games, but this is the again, this is the ideal situation. I think, given the circumstances, that you hope the Cubs would be in a month or two months ago, four games up, four and a half games up in september on september 6th you can't ask for anything better honestly given all the injuries pitching injuries bullpen injuries kb out everyone out this is what you want yep so let's just uh get through this weekend
0: here bring it back on home and you know we can kind of try to do our best to wrap this up here but for now i think that's all that brendan and i have for you uh we will of course come back to you guys on sunday evening after the Cubs finish up things with the Washington Nationals. Hopefully uh, that goes well. And we have uh, another uh, positive, upbeat podcast for you heading into that Brewers series at Wrigley next week. As always, you can find us on the usual podcast mediums, Google, Stitcher, iTunes, the Apple Podcast app. We are available every episode on Spotify. If you like to use Spotify... As I've been saying for weeks now, uh, Blog Talk Radio does not update that feed on blogtalkradio.com anymore. They have moved things over to a new host called Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. I keep saying that because we had some people uh, that listened on Blog Talk Radio, as that was uh, our main host for the podcast. So I want to be clear that that is now Spreaker. They will update every episode. And as usual, Brendan and I will come to you twice a week, no matter what. Uh, before and after every series we preview the upcoming one we review the one that just happens you can always count on us for that if you're looking on a particular site or podcast feed and you are not seeing us when you expect to uh, perhaps check another one of the mediums i just mentioned or you can always tweet at us i am at cfcubsrelated on twitter brendan is at cubs related on twitter you can also slide into those dms on instagram that is at cubs related though just to be nice and confusing for everybody i read those and not brendan even though it is his handle so that's just how things work here at the cubs related podcast but other than that i think that's all we have for you As always, we thank you guys for listening. We keep mentioning it, uh, but it keeps happening. So we keep seeing those iTunes reviews uh, going up. And again, we really thank you guys for that. Uh, We enjoy... Putting this audio out for you guys and having an outlet to spew our Cubs-related uh, thoughts—that's, I guess, why you titled the podcast that, Brendan, because it works. Um, so it's very nice to see you know you guys take that extra uh, couple minutes or seconds or whatever it takes uh, to leave us those reviews and those and those five stars because we are not positive exactly why it helps but it does. It helps us get a little more exposure uh, and keep churning out this audio for you guys. So we do appreciate that and want to be sure to uh, mention that as often as possible. So thank you for that. Other than that, that is all the words I have for you this week. This has been the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. As always, we thank you
1: for listening and go Cubs.